It's Curious City, where we take your questions about Chicago and the region and investigate, report, explore from WBEZ. Hey, I'm Curious City reporter Monica Eng. This week, we've got a question about something we've talked about before, lead in Chicago's water. Even at low doses, lead can hurt kids' brains, causing issues with attention, IQ, and violence. It can also cause heart disease in adults. And that's a problem, because according to city officials, about 80% of Chicago homes are hooked up to lead pipes. So curious city questioners want to know, how did we get here? Why do we have so many lead water pipes? To get the answer, you have to start in the mid-1800s. When Chicago was doing what most American cities were doing, using a lot of this wonder material called lead. When we built our cities, we put it into everything. That's Columbia University public health professor David Rosner. We put it into our walls, we put it into our plumbing, we put it into our fixtures, we put it into our sewage systems. Rosner wrote a book called Lead Wars. He says plumbers loved lead pipes because they were durable and easy to bend. Plus, only licensed plumbers could install them. And at the time, people didn't think lead was that bad for you. By the early part of the 20th century, things changed. Scientists published articles about the health risks from lead. Here's lead researcher Richard Rabin. There were just too many voices out there among the public health people saying this is a bad idea. And there were a number of uh, catastrophes of, of towns and cities where a lot of people were lead poisoned. So by the 1950s, lots of big cities like Milwaukee, Detroit, Boston, and Philadelphia stopped installing lead water pipes. And by 1960, even New York stopped using them. But not Chicago. In fact, for the next 26 years, the city would require every Chicago home to be hooked up to the water main with a service line made out of 100% lead. How come? Well, in the 50s and 60s, Chicago was ruled by Mayor Richard J. Daley, but he got a lot of help from his boyhood friend Stephen M. Bailey. Bailey was head of the Chicago Plumbers Union, but maybe more important, he also was the vice president of the Chicago Federation of Labor. There, he had a lot of influence, over about a half a million loyal Democratic voters, essential to Daley's machine. Mayor Daley never forgot his boyhood friend, And his boyhood friend never forgot him when it came to the elections. This is retired Chicago journalist John McHugh, who wrote a history of the Chicago Plumbers Union. They probably were the most powerful union in Chicago, despite the fact they may have been one of the smallest. This power showed itself in guaranteed pay rates for trade union workers, and labor contracts with the city famously sealed with a handshake. The mayor celebrated his bond with labor in this 1972 speech. We can safely say that the Democratic Party and the representatives of labor had their great honeymoon years ago, were married, and there was always a great associationship on the objectives of both organizations. As long as I've been mayor of the great city of Chicago, the labor forces in this city have helped me tremendously have helped the city tremendously. And the Plumbers Union also got some help. 
Under Daly, the building code required those lead lines, lines only a licensed plumber could install. And that lasted an astonishingly long time. Here's Virginia Tech lead researcher Mark Edwards. Most municipalities stopped using lead service lines in the 1940s or 50s, but Chicago was an anomaly in that they kept installing 100% lead service lines up through the lead ban in 1986. This longevity is a testament to the clout of the Plumbers Union, which held on to its power for decades after Mayor Richard J. Daley died. In fact, in the mid-80s, Mayor Harold Washington tried to ban lead pipes in favor of plastic pipes. But the Plumbers Union and their allies stopped him. Obviously, it was in their best financial interest to stay with lead pipes and soldering because it takes a skilled plumber. That's retired Tribune environmental reporter Casey Bucro, who covered the issue at the time. But he notes that not even Chicago's plumbers union, who wouldn't talk to me for this story, could stop a federal ban on lead pipes that passed later in 1986. By that time, though, the damage was done. Chicago had amassed hundreds of thousands of lead lines under mayors Richard J. Daley, Michael Blandick, Jane Byrne, and Harold Washington. But their successor, Richard M. Daley, wasn't much better. In 1994, Consumer Reports magazine called Chicago's water the most lead-contaminated of all the cities it tested. Daly's water department brushed it off, saying it passed the tests required by the federal lead and copper rule. But the Environmental Protection Agency and scientists like Mark Edwards agree that rule misses the real lead content in Chicago's water. The fact they're meeting the very weak lead and copper rule, it should not comfort anybody. So what's the last mayor in this story, Mayor Rahm Emanuel, doing about the situation? Well, not much. He's invested city resources in a big infrastructure project to replace the old wood and iron water mains in the city. But he's not addressing the lead service lines that are connected to those water mains. In fact, experts agree that the water main project is disturbing the old lead lines and making the problem worse. Canadian researcher Bruce Lampier thinks the mayor is missing a great opportunity to finally replace the toxic service lines while the streets are dug up. And what a tragic mistake to deal with the water mains and not deal with the lead service lines because you're going to seed the lead and poison the residents. Emmanuel and his allies don't agree. In fact, they blocked proposals earlier this year for open hearings on the lead and water issue. So while dozens of cities around the nation are finally replacing their lead service lines, the leader of Chicago won't even talk about it. Still, Professor David Rosner says the health of Chicago's children has taken a backseat to cost for a century on this issue. And that needs to change. So we've in some sense made this kind of Faustian bargain that... We're going to allow these children to continue to be damaged because it's going to cost us money. And the simple fact is, yes, it will cost us money, but we also have a moral obligation to those children. Still, things could change. In the middle of this reporting, Emmanuel announced he would not run for mayor again. And mayoral candidates Paul Vallis and Jamal Green have both made the lead problem a campaign issue. And they've announced plans on how they'd finally get rid of those lead pipes. The story was reported by me, Monica Eng. Curious City's editor is Alexandra Solomon. Our audio producer is Jesse Dukes. 
Catherine Nagasawa is our digital producer. And our intern, Olivia Richardson, mixed the story this week. Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation. Next time on Curious City, have you ever wondered who Billy Sunday was from the Frank Sinatra song, Chicago? Chicago, the town that Billy Sunday couldn't shut down. When Billy Sunday preached in Chicago, tens of thousands of people came to see him. So why did he end up in Sinatra's song? That's next time on WBEZ's Curious City. Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Meantime, it was chaos today at the Chicago City Council. A Chicago cop with a controversial past is running for judge. Other times, you're looking for a deeper understanding of what's going on in the city. Wow, that's so, no one has asked me that question. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts or at wbez.org slash rundown.